Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to the newest episode of the Roman's Empire podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. And today we're going to be talking some shit about Man City. So uh, here to join me, um, as always, I have my two co-hosts, Andres and Sam. Sam, I'll start off with you first. Switching back to the old microphone today, huh? Yeah, man. Uh, I got... We invested in some new mics and supposed to drastically improve our quality of life, our quality of of recordings. It's done nothing but give me headaches. It's $100 down the drain. Hopefully uh, my Amazon return window hasn't, uh, hasn't closed yet, but I'm back on the old mic. You know, Old Faithful, been here with me since episode one. Couldn't let her go, so... Uh, I like. I personally think it sounds better, but we'll let the listeners decide. Andres, how you doing, man? You know, it was so close to being a perfect weekend. I had the Broncos win again. The Longhorns showed up. On top of that, A&M got wrecked by Arkansas second-string quarterback. I mean, I was so close, just so close from all my teams, just giving me a nice little surprise. Zach, are you are you okay? Yeah, no, I'm good. I thought you were gonna I thought you were gonna take it away there, right into. Uh... <laughs> You're not gonna respond to what Andreas said. Okay, cool, that's fine. I'm I'm sorry for your loss, Andreas, but your loss is also my loss. So I I feel to, it too. to be fair, I I don't have much to say about college football in general. Well, he was saying that Chelsea didn't win. That was the one thing. Yeah, that the showed. whole point. That was the main thing, yeah. yeah. I was yeah. bringing it back to the topic. You asked me how I'm doing. I was bringing it back, and you just, you know, I under, I threw an underhand pitch for you to just bomb it with a perfect transition, and here we are, rookie. Just rookie move, amateur hour song. Just, just get us back into things, please. Me? I'm distracted by the Broncos shirt. That's what it is. Uh, no, I'm asking you to you pick up the the, the underhand throw okay. that I was giving the sack Boom. because he obviously missed it. I'm hitting it out of the park now. I'll take I'll take I'll take partial blame for that as well. Um, all right. Well, I was I'm also half not wanting to get into the city wrap up because we we pretty much were dominated. It felt like for you know for 70 minutes of the 90. It seemed like. Um, I'll run through the starting lineup real quick. Mendy back in goal, a back three of Christensen, Rudy, and Dave. Uh, Marcus Alonso and Reese James, uh, return of Reese James back. This was his first game match back in league play from the red card, I believe. Um, Conte and Kovacic, uh, a.k.a. Jorgola. No, we don't have a Jorkova. We're not going to make um, a nickname. After and, that performance, and, and Kova, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, the, 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 we don't even have a nickname for that. Jorvagolo. Um, oh wait, what am I saying? We had a it's a midfield, midfield three. three. We had a midfield mm-hmm. three. So, Jorgol Conte. Jorkovic. <laughs> no, I'm Jorkovic. Okay, that's just as bad as our nickname was. They were equally as bad on the pitch. Um, and then a front a front two of Timo Werner and Lukaku. Um, let's let's talk about that midfield. Um, so it, it really seemed like all three of them put in their worst shifts of the season. Um, 
And we got a Twitter question from Ron, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Cool, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Deluxe. He said, what happened in our midfield today? No creativity at all. Did Tuchel get it wrong or did the players not execute? Zach, which one of the two do you think it is? Well, Tuchel was quick to say that he got it wrong right off the bat. Um, but I think the main thing for me was just the energy that was lacking. Normally, our midfield is firing on all on all cylinders. We're on top of every loose ball. We're, we're first to every second ball. Um, and we were just getting flat out beat. Um, if, if you want proof, just, uh, go ahead and look at, um, just go ahead and look at the tackles and interception stats, um, comparing between teams, um, Manchester city beat us in both of those categories. And those are usually categories that we tend to dominate in games. Um, and that does, you know, go to the type of energy that we go into games with. And today, or rather on Saturday, we just didn't really see that, um, as a result, I felt like the gaps between the midfield and defense were huge. And uh, when our outside um, center backs, Rudy or Dave, or even Christensen, when he came in, would get the ball and look up, there would be uh, no passing outlet. They did a really good job marking Jorginho out of the game. Um, and Kovacic and Conte were just clearly not at it. We, we've been we've been heaping praise on Kovacic for the last, since the season started, actually. And this was easily his worst game for us in a very long time. Um, just giving away cheap passes. Same thing with Jorginho. Obviously, he's not 100% healthy like Tuchel revealed. So, I mean, there's a lot of factors that kind of go into it. Um, I'm hesitant to get too angry or too wound up over it or even concerned um, because it is it is a one-off. Um, and, and we know that based on the body of work that Tuchel's put together so far. So, I have that mindset. I still think the glass is half full. This isn't the end of the world. And if anybody's tuning in, listening to us, or at least me, thinking that I'm going to be negative Nancy, it, it, it it's not that. Um, this is just one match. So, um, you know, it was clear that, that we just weren't at it, and Man City was. So you got to give them credit where credit's due. And we got another question. Um, this one's actually a first-time question. Um, one underscore Fonte underscore boy at Cobina underscore Ebo. Uh, <laughs> I looked at his profile. He's keeping it two Virgils. Do you guys you guys know that reference? He keeps it two Virgils. Virgils fifty, and so two Virgils is he's keeping it one hundred. One hundred. Exactly. What? I I do not get the reference, but hey, that's something to do with the he like he like put a fifty dollar tip left a $50 tip on like a $20,000 bill or something. And it was like, you know, uh, everyone was making fun of him. It was like a cheap yeah. joke. Um, but he has 10,000 followers. So shout us out. <laughs> <laughs> so the, he asks the Chelsea Quick lost. Quote. Yeah. <laughs> so shout us out. Uh, he said Chelsea, Chelsea lost due to Tuchel's tweak to play three, five, two because it worked spectacularly against Spurs. We saw how Havertz was introduced and Tuchel switched to his default 3-4-3 and Chelsea came alive a bit. Why is nobody calling out Tuchel since he decided not to play at number 10? And Andreas, we, you and I, we tried recording after the Villa match and had really fucked up audio, so we didn't post it. <laughs> but in that, we discussed how every time we played City, we played a 3-4-3 and yep. Tuchel was kept, it, kept it simple and pep overthought it 
What, 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 what a little bit of roles here? reversed. Yeah, a little bit of roles reversed here. I think he played into Pep's hands because in possession, our midfield, the way we work is not like a possessing based one. And so to, to carry the creativity and the danger role with our midfield three is, is almost to a detriment to us. Um, I know and now it's a meme, the whole interview with Pep before the final talk about how Chelsea plays so wide and so vertical, but that, that is why it works so well in, in a three man midfield, you only have two players for the back line to worry about in Lukaku and, and Werner. So it's, it's a little bit easier for them to get ready in terms of a counter possibility. When we play the three up front mount, yes, he pitches in in defense, but he's got so much of an engine in him that he makes it back up to that, to make it a front three almost immediately in transition. So the way you beat city is not to go toe to toe in the possession end of things. You know, you're not there to, to match your midfield like for like, but to catch them when the opportunity is there and make them score them in transition. The 3-5-2 is not going to provide that. Timo looked better midweek, but you're asking a lot of that guy to go from not playing at all to starting against City. And again, there was no, not enough of a release option for the midfielders, for the wingbacks, for the three center backs to get out of our own half. Yeah, I know our, I don't want to mess up his name, but Kobina Ebo, <laughs> he uh, kind of alludes to it. We switched back to the 3-4-3 and, and it comes more natural. And I thought, you know, you, you and I discussed it again, unfortunately with the audio we couldn't post, but the 3-5-2 is a, is a situational change. I don't think our players are quite versed enough to make that our consistent um, formation. And, and yeah, I just think Tuchel got it wrong this time. Zach mentioned Tuchel admitted his mistake. And, yeah, I, I hope it's more of just a one-time thing than, than for it to become a trend where he starts overthinking things. I know we have a little bit of injury situations up front. Pulisic is not back yet. I'm hoping he will be soon because we are really struggling to create recently. But... I think the three four three needs to be the primary formation moving forward, and the end of the game kind of showed it. And, and you know, you know, you know, we've been talking about, you know, Tuchel's decision making, but looking on the other side as well, Pep, this was his third, or was it? This is the fourth, fourth. time, fourth time, yeah, um, that he's faced uh, Tuchel's Chelsea side. So I don't know, Zach. Do you think City has cracked the code to beating us? I don't know if you could call it a code. I mean, I alluded to it earlier. I think it was more effort um, just in general. I don't think Tuchel's game plan was off per se because if the team was executing it properly, he wouldn't have been as frustrated with the execution. Um, but, I mean, what they did do really well was pressing the fullbacks, obviously. I mentioned cutting off the uh, the supply line to the midfield, sort of like a modified high press that they had where they were willing to commit in certain areas um, but not in others. When the ball would go to Timo and uh, and, and Rom, they were basically played 1v1 with Man City center backs. Um, and I noticed, you know, oftentimes their fullbacks, when they would tuck in traditionally as they normally do, um, it would completely clog up that midfield area for us. 
And that's why we got overran. Oftentimes it was their fullbacks who were picking off some of those errant passes from Conte and Kovacic and then, you know, starting to counterattack for them. Um, but I do think for teams moving forward, that is probably the way to stop us, right? Um, it's hard to look at our team and see a glaring weakness based on, you know, what we've done in the last 12 months or so since Tuchel or 10 months or so since Tuchel's come in. Um, but the obvious thing is if you're going to nick the ball off of us, it's going to come off one of those outside center backs. So if they can, if, if teams can find a way to sort of nullify the midfield threat in terms of Jorginho and Kovacic or whoever's in there dropping deep and collecting the ball and they could limit the wide play out to the, uh, to the wing backs, you know, there are going to be some Aaron passes there and, and to Rudiger and Dave's credit, even Trevor Chalabos played out there, Christensen. I mean, they've all been really good with the ball this season with They, they haven't really given away anything silly. Um, and even the goal off of deflection. I mean, it just kind of shows you like, even on our worst day, we can still be in, you know, be within touching distance of, of picking up three points, which I think we were, I mean, it was only one goal. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think city just executed their game plan really well and they just simply outworked us. Um, but like I said, you know, for managers moving forward, this might be the, uh, the sort of quote unquote code, like you mentioned, you know, of, uh, sort of figuring us out, I guess you could say for lack of a better word, but I don't anticipate that this team would have another drop off in energy like this, um, for the rest of the season. I think this is, this is going to be sort of like a learning uh, a learning experience, not only for Tuchel, but for all of the players as well. I know Rudiger already had a thing to say about it also. Um, so, you know, he kind of gave his rally cry. I'm sure Tuchel gave him an earful after the match. Um, and I don't expect it to happen again. And, and, and Zach, you mentioned something about, you know, the goal being a deflection again. So at this point, the two league goals we've conceded were a penalty and a deflection. Again, I'm not going to get too down on this game. Man City's a very good team. Yeah, it's a bummer we lost at home. But fun fact here, it's taken two Messiahs to score on us. We had, or not Messiahs, uh, Prophets. We had Muhammad and Jesus. So only God can stop us. One's a prophet, point. one's a Messiah. Yeah, yeah I mean, only, only we're, God out can of, stop we're out us. of we're out of religious entities in the world now. I mean... <laughs> It used to be hey, a national team that would haunt us. This season, it, you know, I, I have yet to see of a Buddha in the Premier League or Confucius or, I don't know, Ra, if they were Egyptian. I mean, hey, I think we're good. We're good, boys. We're in the clear now. I'm, I th I'm pretty sure. Actually, I don't know. I'll, I'll think of another one. But um, <laughs> there has to be Krishna. another one out there. <laughs> Yahweh? Is there a Yahweh out there? No. No, I don't think so. I think we're clear, boys. I think we're good. Noah? Is there someone named Noah? <laughs> or Abraham? <laughs> Tammy Abraham! <laughs> we would have to get dropped to the Europa League. We would have... <laughs> Tammy Abraham! If he came? Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> Zach, you missed uh, the Villa midweek match, so you didn't really get to see the return of your boy, RLC. Um, I know no, I did not. Yeah, I, 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 I rewatched it. I didn't rewatch the whole match, but I did watch his little. You, I found found a YouTube video. I think it was you who sent it. I did send it to you. Yeah, give me. Credit. I did watch that video. And he looked really good, <laughs> and I'm glad he was able to sort of replicate it against City. 
yeah, another back-to-back match where he came on. Yeah, he he impacted the match. What do you what do you think, Zach? You think he has a place on this team, and if so, what what do you think his role should be? I think he definitely does after this match. Um, you know, Tuchel mentioned Jordinho picked. The, you know, he's had a knock for a while now. Um, his knee's always bandaged. It's been bandaged up since May. Um, so you know, Conte is obviously not the most fit player in the world at at the moment either. Um, He's still dealing with his ankle. uh, Didn't look 100% against City. Kovacic playing a lot of minutes. There's minutes to be had. You know, if Saul hasn't really played too well for us, um, but I don't expect that to continue either. I think think he's eventually going to come into some sort of form this season for us, for lack of a better word. But with Loftus-Cheek, he offers something that only one other midfielder for us does, and that's Kovacic, and that's the penetrating runs. His ability to sort of shield the ball away from defenders and break through the lines and just sort of wreak havoc. But I think the difference here is you have a Loftus-Cheek who's a lot more athletic than a Kovacic. Um, He's a lot more powerful, and he has end product. Uh, When he was fit for us, especially in Sari season, we started to see that, chipping in with goals and assists, taking players on 1v1. Granted, I know he was a lot bigger, a lot more muscular back then than he is now, but he looked good. He was moving really well. I even saw a meme on Twitter uh, saying that he looked like uh, Zinedine Zidane for the last 10 minutes of the match. We had him on our bench this whole time. But um, it was sort of a throwback performance from him. The things that we always talked about um, that we never really got to see, we sort of saw, right? Glimpses of it, obviously. With his back to goal, controlling the ball, keeping it away from two or three defenders, spinning, running with it, and then finding a pass. Um, Just a sort of intent that he came out with and played with. It looks like he's on a mission to sort of regain, um, you know, his reputation within Chelsea Football Club. It was refreshing. And and with that being said, I just don't think that it is – I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that, you know, Ruben's going to get a lot more minutes. And I think he's – you know, I think he's going to contribute. He's going to have a have a major role to play this season. So, um, I think the one person I should be worried about this should be Saul, if anybody, because this is technically the reason why we bought him to sort of be this box to box dynamic midfielder for us. So, Andres, I mean, what do you kind of think about that? I mean, to something. No, you are. Again, unfortunate that we couldn't post Wednesday's episode, but we discussed that too. That Loftus Cheek now in back to back matches has shown us more than Saul has in two starts. So come tomorrow, Juve, by the time people are listening, it'll be posted the same day. The Juve match, Conte, Jorginho, Kovacic, one of them needs a break. And right now, Juventus, yes, they're still Juventus by name, but they're not the Juventus of old. So could you give Loftus-Cheek a start? Sure. I really think you could. And we know what Jorginho did to Italian teams in the Serie A, so maybe a Jorginho RLC midfield to run the 3-4-3 tomorrow versus Juventus could be in the works. I think the one thing we are yet to see is the maybe straight line pace. But like you said, the agility is there. So if he can work his way into the box, I mean, he's got enough composure to pitch it in goals. We we don't have another midfielder that can do that. Again, like you mentioned, Saul has done that in the past, but he hasn't done it in a blue shirt. So I'm excited. I mean, we all three of us love Loftus-Cheek and... As time went on, we thought that the dream of seeing him be part of this team was dwindling. 
I think opportunities knocking and I mean, we're not playing awful, but we're just not clicking. And if he's going to help the team click, yeah, give him as many minutes as, as he needs. Something, one more thing to mention is that, you know, Tuchel was talking about uh, or was asked about the play of the forwards in this match. And he mentioned that they, you know, like they couldn't be criticized. They can't really be criticized because there's no supply to them. What, what were they feeding off of? And I think Ruben could possibly be a good answer uh, for that, for that issue. Um, like I said, his ability to break the lines and sort of find that, find that layoff or find that through ball. It's there um, similar to Kovacic. So um, if he could contribute, why not? I mean, we've all been rooting for this guy, man. I, I I sort of, I think we're all kind of guilty of maybe accepting that he wasn't going to be a part of Chelsea a little too soon, and then he kind of comes up with this. So good on him. I, you know, I, I hope it continues. Uh, we got another question from Ron. Um, was this game missing Money Mace? Hashtag Rep Ultras, Andreas. This was his first. This was his first match. This was the first match that Mason Mount has missed due to injury since he's been called up to the senior squad. Crazy. Do we look a little different that, without him? Oh, of course. Uh, again, I think that's why we went with the 3-5-2, to be completely honest. I think a healthy Mason Mount means a 3-4-3 easily. Mm-hmm. I think I mentioned it earlier. His role to to make our 3-4-3 look sometimes like a 3-5-2 defensively is, is that energy and and willingness to drop back, and then also the willingness to immediately shoot forward the moment we win the ball back to make to in a shape be back in the three four three. So yeah, I mean his he's kind of like a it's almost like an X factor in transition because again we know that we're struggling to score, so I'm not gonna be like oh he's the factor for for the goal part, but the creating part, you know, he does. Kind of like what I discussed about Timo, where he makes the unselfish runs, the unselfish movements, and that's what gets us to connect between the back line and the attack sometimes. So, yeah, he's not even in the best form that we've ever seen him in, but I still think that he was very much missed in this game. All right, Zach. um, This is something that you had been calling out for. Timo and Lukaku up front, they... They struggle to obtain and keep possession of the ball for us. It looked, it looked shaky. You know, they weren't. It wasn't all their fault. They weren't really getting any service the whole match. But you know, many fans, maybe rightfully so, got on both of their backs post match about how they failed to impact the match. Um, before before we talk about them individually, Zach, what did you see? from the two of them, the pairing? I mean, I still think stylistically, the way both of them play, they would complement each other in a perfect world, right? But it's kind of easier said than done. Um, At the same time, it was a tough day at the office for them, but I do agree with Tuchel. And even during the match, I noticed it as well. They can't... Maybe Lukaku can. Lukaku's the type of striker that could feed on scraps. Um, but Timo Werner can't. <laughs> I mean, he's not clinical enough to. So if he's only going to get the ball three or four times a half, um, and you know, three out of those four times there's nobody to lay it off to, and the fourth time he decides to run to the corner flag and try to do it himself, um, 
that's really telling. You know, it, it got to the point where it felt forced because it was. And uh, I, I think that's more of a criticism of the midfield and sort of our build-up play, our inability to to progress the ball between, you know, our defensive and middle third into the attacking third. It was it was awful. I, I don't even think we registered a shot on target all match. Um, so out of, out of the two, I think, if any, you could probably criticize Rom a little bit. Maybe he could have dropped a little deeper. Maybe he could have done a better job holding up the ball. But at the same time, once he gets the ball, what? How long do you expect him to hold it for? You know, how long do you expect him to keep a Ruben Diaz off of his back, or, uh, you, you know, before Jao Cancelo comes in to help out? Um, with Timo, it's more a case of we already know what we're getting with him. If he's not getting the ball in behind or on the run, he's not really doing much else with it. Um, and that was kind of apparent as well. So it was a tough outing for both of them. But again, it, it's it's one of those things where you can't really criticize their performance individually without mentioning the other pieces that sort of make a forward line tick. Um, that being the midfield and, you know, our supply from the wingbacks. Reese James getting injured, I feel like, was a big, big impact on this game too. I think we only had one accurate cross all match. Reese James is in there. <laughs> We're getting a couple more. Um, so maybe that's another chance or two for Rom to, you know, kind of feed on or Kai Havertz to even feed on when he came in. Um yeah, but but this is a, definitely a forgetful performance from both of them, I think. Andres, uh, starting off with Lukaku, do you think that the criticism is justified given, you know, pretty much every time he's gone out there, he's put on a, a great performance for us? Yeah, I, I, I think people are just so quick to just want to be pissed off. We are having one of the most successful starts to a Premier League campaign we've had in a while. And Lukaku has already kind of... What's the word I'm looking for here, guys? Like, he helped us escape a bad situation with goals. I'm I'm losing us. Like, he... A lifesaver? It's a, oh. Yeah, yeah, something along those lines. I know there's a saying, and my ESL brain is not working right now, but the point is, he broke us out of jail sort of situation already. He in so us many out. games, bailed us out. There it is. I knew it was <laughs> jail-related thing. Jail. <laughs> you know what I meant. Uh, yeah, exactly. I do. <laughs> but, but my point is, is okay. So he didn't score or look good today. Again, I, I, I spent a decent amount of time talking about how there was no transition game, and it's not like City's defense isn't good. You know, they're a good defensive team. They're well organized, and so for me, you know, this pairing. I want to see them with a third option up top. Zach mentioned it. Timo can't be the sole focus of attention. Why does he work in a front three? Is because two other guys are probably going to do more than Timo does. So the one time that people sleep on Timo, that's when he'll get the chance to do something worthy. So to, to go back to Lukaku specifically, no, I don't think criticism is justified. I think he's doing just fine. Like he's doing a lot of the things that we haven't seen a striker do help check in and help others move into space. He does the, the runs in behind. He's always somewhere in the box looking for a cross. I mean, if he wasn't doing those things and then he wasn't scoring, sure, I'd say criticize away. But he's been one of our best players this season. I think one match, just because we lost, does not make him now not a good striker. Definitely. Zach, do you want to add something to that? 
I don't want to look too much into this performance from both of them just because, again, I, I feel like the whole game was a one-off. With, with Tuchel's system, you can't have one piece functioning at 50% um, and still expect to, you know, crank out some sort of result or some sort of performance from all 11 players. So there were, there were, <laughs> we were misfiring in our midfield and our attack um, and our defense was really the only part of the team that really came to play. So, you know, it is what it is, I guess. Now on to Timo Werner, my personal favorite. We got a question from K Higa at K Higa nineteen, um, Kendall Higa. He asked, "What am I missing with Werner? The dude isn't good enough. They always talk about his speed, but he doesn't run away or pass anyone. His first touch is very poor and can't seem to control the ball in tight spaces. Please tell me what makes him start worthy." Um, the one thing that I wanted to say about his touch that really bothers me a lot is if he receives the ball like like on the left side of the pitch, his first touch will be towards the corner flag and not towards the goal. He's not his first touch is not going towards goal where he could beat any center back in the Premier League with pace and get past them and take a shot on target. But 99% of the time his touch is going out away onto the post and he's he's looking to cross the ball in. Which when and I know when Lukaku's in the middle, that's not a bad option. But also, you can create so many chances for yourself just if you are more aggressive with that touch. And I think that is an effect, a side effect of his confidence, and um, and it's it's justified as well. You know, like his his confidence is shot for a very good reason. He has been he hasn't looked great for us. Yeah, he scored. Uh, in the was it the Villa match where he scored? Yeah, he scored yeah. midweek against Villa, but uh, it, it was served served on a you know silver platter for him that Reese James ball. Like uh, he would have had to try to miss that. So oh, it was a good. Still... It was it was a nice finish. I think we're being a little harsh. I mean, I'm just saying it wasn't anything. He, he Reese James did all the work. He just headed it in. But... Lukaku had the same finish the week before, and we were. No, I basically was jerking him James. off over the radio or waves. Whoever it was. No, I was, or, uh, it was uh, Dave who passed, or whoever did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always give more credit to the pass, but uh, when it's like that. But back to Kendall's question, Zach. Try to defend him, however you can. I don't think he's good enough to be a starter in this team. I mean, I, I've I've maintained that for a while now. Um, I forget if it was you or Andres that said it earlier. It just doesn't seem like he's the right player to sort of start in this game. Um, we know playing against Manchester City, we're going to be operating in tight spaces. We know that they're going to be closing us down very quickly. Um, and we need players out there that aren't quote unquote, and this is kind of harsh, but one trick ponies in the sense that Timo doesn't have that ability. And Sam, I think this is the answer to your question. Part of it is his touch. I think, you know, if he was more confident, maybe he would take that first touch towards goal and try to take people on, just knock the ball past the defender and beat him for pace. Um, you don't really need to be the most technical player in the world to do that. Um, but my thing with him is just, 
it all just seems so discombob like just so discombobulated he, he sort of seems here there and everywhere on the pitch right he receives the ball at his feet it's either a good first touch and a poor pass or a, a bad first touch um and a half decent pass he just can't seem to put together 25 to 30 solid minutes where he's just sort of flying um and you know it is kind of harsh because yeah he hasn't played much for us but these are the levels that he has to perform at if he wants to get into the team um you know he is getting more playing time now i think he's going to continue getting more playing time also we know Pulisic's injury is going to keep him out a little longer zs really hasn't played himself into the side chose on the outside looking in the chances are going to be there for him. But if he doesn't snatch him up, when Pulisic comes back, he's going to make that position his. And then that's just another option that's already proven that he could beat Man City um, on the bench. And then, of course, I think the right move in this match would have been to start Kai Havertz. That way you can, if you need to, you can throw another body in that midfield just to sort of retain possession or defend. Um, and also, you know, Kai has that, finishing ability i mean he did it in a champions league final for us and you know he's not just a player that has a lot of skill he's a player that could beat defenders 1v1 he could score goals he's good in the air he can drop off or he could play up top he could play behind somebody it's Werner could only beat people for pace um and pick out a pat a 45 degree pass that that's really all we've seen from him since he's come to chelsea and it is it is a little bit harsh but at the same time I said it already, it, it, it's Chelsea. You're at a world-class football club, a top football club. You have to be a top player, and you have to play like one. And, you know, unfortunately for him, it's it's just not working out for him. I don't know if it ever will. I hope it does. But, um, Andres, I mean, I'm, I, I knew I said I was going to kind of look at this podcast, um, you know, with the glass half full. I know that sounded like a little half-empty rant. <laughs> Is it all over for him, or are you kind of in the same boat as me, where it just all kind of it just doesn't excite me to see his name on the team sheet anymore? I mean, I, I think I'm just an overall optimist because again, last season we didn't have a striker, and yes, he didn't put up striker numbers, but we were winning games with him in the starting eleven. Again, this time three five two versus a three four three. I think he's much more successful when there's a third man up there as well. I think it's just right now, I, I don't know what it is about the front three. Lukaku being the only one that's been clicking this whole time. But who would have thought that having a focal point would create such an issue for everyone else? Um, and I think it's not just a Timo thing. I think Kai Havertz hasn't hit the ground running as much as I would like him to. Mason Mount started kind of a bit off. Ziyech, who should be reigning in assists, like you mentioned, struggling as well. So I don't know why these players haven't learned how to work off of Lukaku or, or use his skill set to the best of their ability, but I'm not ready to, to kind of just push away Timo's chances. I think nobody has made a claim for the front three. We still are going to put Kai and Mount out there based on what you've done for me before, but nobody's there because of what you've done for me lately, you know? So yeah. instead of just focusing on Timo because we lost this game, I don't think Kai Havertz would have made a difference in a 3-5-2. I don't think Mount in a 3-5-2 would have made a difference either. I just think people need to understand that we just lost this game. Man City is a good team, and we lost one game. We're still right. I think we're one point off of Liverpool at the moment. Or actually, yes, they tied yeah. Brentford. 
Liverpool's yeah, above us, yeah. At one point. Yeah, mm-hmm. so people need to just take a step back. It's not like we're in 10th place now. We're not Spurs. So Thank take God. a deep breath. <laughs> like, No, Werner is not a 30-goal striker, but I'm also not going to sit here and say that he can't be the, the Robin to someone else's Batman. Like, he has a role to play here. I just don't think anybody is taking the Robin role to Lukaku's Batman. And just, to, just to correct you, Andres, Arsenal is in 10th and Tottenham's in 11th. Okay. <laughs> okay so the, the so-called... It, it makes your point even oh, better. Have the yeah, I love it better. <laughs> Zach, is there anything you want to uh, add to that? or? Uh, I hope people got that Michael Scott reference. Um, oh, the turntables, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I, I kind of agree with Andres. I, I, I would just say err on the side of caution before you start writing things off. Where, you, Like you said, we are only one point off the top. But if there's any weekend where we can drop points, it's last weekend. You know, Liverpool dropped points. Mm. Uh, Manchester United also dropped points as well. City's also dropped points along the way. Um, so everybody's kind of shown a little bit of vulnerability. I think there's no doubt in my mind that if we had 11 players at Anfield, we, we would have walked away with all three points. Just what we were doing to them. We probably should have been a goal or two up before we picked up the red card even. Mm. Um, Like talking about the title implications, since that's what we're mentioning right now. uh, We got a question from um, Ronnie Ashworth at Huey98758. He said, always had a feeling we could lose this one. Last three matches against them would have hurt Pep. Not two down. That's the tough run over. First team that finishes above City will win it. Agree? 100%. What does that mean? First team that finishes above City will win it? I mean, basically, it's it's either, yeah, they're the team to beat. So Tottenham is going to win the league? Is that what they're saying? (laughs) (laughs) Not. Um... I, I I still think we I still think we're the title favorites. I still don't think City's a team to beat. I still don't think Liverpool's the team to beat. We have the most depth in the league. We have the best manager in the league. That's enough said, you know. Enough said. Um, <laughs> Andreas, I don't know if you wanted to add anything, or we should go into Leonard's question. <laughs> I think I think the difference is going to come down, like you guys said, Liverpool dropped points to Brentford, City has lost points to Southampton. The battle between the, the top four teams amongst each other, we're going to drop points amongst each other. That's expected. It's just, can we kind of end the Chelsea curse of losing to the, you know, the bottom of the bottom feeders and just win those very boring park the bus matches? And, and, and that's what's going to make the difference at the end of the day. Losing one game to City doesn't end the title run. I would be way more pissed dropping points to, yeah, a Norwich or a Newcastle. Or Southampton at home. Yeah. And also, shout out, real quick before we move on to the questions, shout out to Emmy Martinez uh, for totally getting (laughs) into Bruno's head. We're talking about teams that drop points. United losing to a team that we beat twice in the past week and a half. Uh, and Emmy Martinez getting into what's his name? Pen- Penaldez? No, Bruno. Oh, Penaldez. No. Penaldez. Yeah, where's Messi in this? Uh, Penaldez, and completely skying, completely off target. Um, maybe you should have let Cristiano take that, but 
Oh, I mean, oh. Cristiano's taking all the penalties moving forward. Maybe. Oh, yeah. Maybe you should let the greatest goal scorer we've ever seen take a penalty in a 94th minute of a, of a match. Is that, a, is that a difficult decision to make, Ole? I mean, come on. Okay, listen. Just give him credit, man. We hate Bruno, but like... There's no justifying that decision. Yes, there is. His statistics for no... United are incredible from the penalty spot. Like, we fucking hate the guy, but the reason he missed is not because... Obviously, the Emmy Martinez stuff is funny because Emmy was actually saying, Ronaldo, you take the penalty, which only adds pressure to Bruno because it's like, man, nobody thinks that I'm going to make it. Then when he realizes that Ronaldo's not going to make it, he then focuses on him. Obviously, the pressure of Ronaldo got to him, but like... It's kind of like how when Neymar got to PSG, he had the whole issue with Cavani, and it's like Cavani's a penalty taker for now. Like statistically speaking, like I still think that if we get a penalty, it's gonna go to Jorginho as much as we yeah. want it to Lukaku. So then, same principle here. Like Bruno had it, not missed the frame in like twenty plus penalties or something, and I think he bare, missed maybe one or two. Like that's all Emmy Martinez mind games right there on top of the pressure of ronaldo is here like unfortunately that is going to be the last penalty bruno takes like it's It's one thing it's one thing to step up take the penalty and have it saved but to put it in the top row of old trafford (laughs) that's just zero composure cristiano ronaldo does not put that penalty anywhere but on the frame if it whether okay, it's saved but... or not is up for debate. We're done. This is this is the United talk. That's the extent of the United talk for this episode, okay? <laughs> I just hate Bruno. Um, yeah, me too. Um but that was that was a legendary moment. Shout out to Emmy Martinez. Even though you are a former Gooner, that's probably what I like most about you, that you're a former Gooner. You're no longer a current Gooner. Um all Premier League shithouse eleven, Emmy Martinez, starting yeah, goalkeeper. Definitely. Has to be up there. Um, all right. First Twitter question. Leonard Cohen, man, he he asked the same question for our midweek episode. We read it, <laughs> and we didn't post it. And Leonard asked the same one again this week just to make sure that we read his question. <laughs> so here we go. Leonard R. Cohen. <clears throat> Dear Pod. Since Tammy's transfer to AS Roma, I've watched AS Roma YouTube content. Tuesday, they uploaded a training session called Tuesday Grind, Back to Work at Trigoria. I was struck by the mood. Tammy seemed somewhat serious and a little downbeat as he worked the exercise bike. And Mourinho? He quietly set out the cones like a PE teacher taking an after-school football class. And everyone, everywhere, quietly got on with things. This is in stark contrast to Cobham, where people seem, well, happy. Is this tip, is this simply cultural difference, or perhaps an atypical AS Roma training session? Or is this Chelsea? It was probably a happy training session for Roma if they posted it on their YouTube channel. <laughs> well, I mean, according to Leonard, it wasn't. I'll, I'll, I'll say one thing, and I didn't mention this when I first answered it, and I thought about it, and I wish I had. But thankfully, we didn't post that episode, because now I can say it. I think Tammy is, is just is is focused and serious now. Like, mm-hmm. he feels like he blew his chance to play for the club that he grew up with and he loves. 
and he fucked it up. And he didn't make the cut. There was no opportunity for him to play, and he got shipped off to Italy. And if that's if that's not a chip on your shoulder, I don't know what is. And he's been killing it. I don't know if you guys saw his goal, the back heel, like, turning around, like, the adjustment he had to make. That was laser-sharp focus by Tammy Abraham. And, you know, opposed to, you know, the other stuff that was mentioned in this question, I think that is where Tammy's head is right now. He's focused. He wants to succeed. He wants to be a top world-class striker in the world, whether he's playing for Chelsea or whether he's playing for AS Roma. I mean, he's got he's got a great manager with him, a special one. But um, I'm, he's shown I'm just... some fancy footwork too. Mm-hmm. I've seen a couple of clips of him be- dancing around defenders, breaking some ankles. I mean, he's scoring goals there. He's picking up assists. The the, the team seems to like him. Mourinho likes him. He's getting along with his teammates. I'm happy for I mean, I said it from the beginning. I, I think this is such a good move for him because Mourinho just – Mourinho has a knack. Say what you will about what his abilities are now compared to what they used to be, but everywhere he's went, he's still found a way to get a tune out of a center forward. And it, it, it couldn't be a better environment for Tammy, especially in the Serie A, which is probably – I mean, you can argue that that's probably the second most competitive league in Europe now. Um, it's it's definitely up there, especially if you look at the title race, too. So it's just a good place for him to be, man. But kind of going back to Leonard's question, I think uh, the short answer is that every manager does have a different way of managing their team. Look at Antonio Conte at Chelsea. The players were literally had to be wheeled off the pitch because they were so exhausted. Jose Mourinho has his own tone. Maurizio Sarri has his own tone. And then obviously Tommy Tuchel has his own tone as well. And I just think Tuchel's tone is a little more upbeat um, and sort of like the more friendly arm around your shoulder, uh, which is something that we at Chelsea aren't necessarily used to because every manager knows that their time is taken. Yeah, I'm not going to get into like psyche or anything because, I mean, we've all been in you know, at one point, whether it was high school, whether you made it into college, like you've gone to practice. There's times that practice are like warm ups. You can be silly, but then like when you get to work, you get to work. I think this is just Chelsea's PR people post different parts of the workouts than Roma's people. I'm not really going to get into the depths of coaching and blah, blah, blah. Cause we've seen Mourinho even had practices where they would play basketball on grass. Like every coach is going to have those moments. I legitimately think that Roma is probably just like, this is what practice looks like. We're not going to just put the guys laughing and pushing each other, which is what Chelsea does a lot, including when things aren't going well. So for me, I just think it's whoever's in charge of PR slash marketing for Roma versus Chelsea have different approaches to it. So Leonard, like I appreciate you following Roma and good because Tammy still has a buyback clause and we should keep an eye on him. But I, I really do think it's a PR department thing. Like, I really am not going to look into it further than that. Roma's lost two games all season. They've been killing it. Like, there's no there's no reason for them to be down in the dumps. But is it also so hard to believe that, like, we're generally a more happy club than Roma just because of all the success that we've had in the past six months? Probably. Like, yeah, there's probably sure. a better tone there. 
and that's that's uh, justified. But it's not always like that. When, when Frank Lampard was around, we were losing matches after match. I promise you that we weren't laughing and joking uh, in training. This is just right now. Um, <laughs> okay, next question from Ron. I think this one's for Zach specifically. Who's the bigger bitch? Ederson or Gabriel Jesus? Gabriel Jesus. Why? He's, have... he's one of the biggest he's one of the biggest bitches I've ever seen on the field. And it's not just his eyebrows or the way he like looks dumbfounded every time he receives some sort of contact. It's that he's the one that goes out seeking the contact and then does the pouty eyebrows and cries about it. Like what he did with Tony Rudiger. You're going to go into a 50-50 with Rudiger and then complain that you got leveled on a simple shoulder-to-shoulder 50-50. I think this was sometime in the first half. This was like their first coming together, actually. But he just pisses me off. He, it, Wasn't he, or am I mistaken, I think he was the one that started the brawl years ago where Fabregas got pushed into the stands. Wasn't he the one... Well, I know Fernandinho was the one that pushed Fabregas, but wasn't Gabriel Jesus like the one that got fouled? It was because he dove. I think it was. I could be I mistaken. I think it was Sterling. But but either way, I mean, there's just a million reasons to list why he's a bitch, and that's one of them. Um, and we saw another one this past weekend. He just it pisses me off that he was the guy that scored too, just to kind of make things worse. Is that like bitches get rewarded now all of a sudden. <laughs> and the commentary on the goal was so weird. Did you guys notice that too? How they were saying, Oh, I can't believe how much space they gave him. They let him turn around and shoot that. It was like, bro, they blocked the shot. It was deflected in the net. Like they covered that fine. They they had a wall of three guys right in front of him when he shot it. And it bounced off. I think it was Andreas Christensen and bounced in the goal. Like, there's not much you can do about that. That was a bit of luck. He got the ball. He turned around. He sh- he just like blindly kicked the ball towards the goal, and it ended in the back of the net. Nothing, you know. I don't think we were at fault for that goal at all. Um, all right. Um, moving on. Uh, talking a little bit about the Rudiger contract situation. So, this is according to Fabrizio Romano. Um, despite interest from Juve, Bayern, and Real Madrid, Chelsea still remain the front runners to re- retain Rudiger, as his first choice would be to stay and continue working under Tuchel. Guys, how important is it that we just get this signing across the fucking line and keep him? Like, I, I personally do not want to see him go. I'm really happy for him that all of these big clubs want him. But they can all fuck off. He's ours. He's staying. Andreas. Yeah, I think people are really quick to be like, oh, well, we have depth. Listen, Rudiger right now is is the long-term leader of this backline. If Rudiger leaves, fast forward an extra year, the backline will be Christensen, Chaloba, and you might have to force Reese James back there, uh, or an unknown commodity like Xavier Buyamba, or... Just because Huddersfield, you know, it, it's all unknown commodities, right? Huddersfield with Le- Levi Colwell. Like, right now there's no vocal leader in the back. And Rudiger can be here for five more years if we just give him the money he deserves at this point. I, I think I mentioned this also midweek where he gets paid less than someone like Cho. 
That makes no sense to me. This is not the kind of guy that you penny pinch with because, again, this is his last big contract. After this, you don't have to offer him another extension. But it's easier to keep, like in sales they teach you, it's easier to keep a, an existing client than look out for a new one. Every new center back that we can target, we don't know what they're going to be like at Chelsea. We know Rudiger fits the system. We know he fits the culture. We know he can be, you know, compete with the, the top strikers of the Premier League. Sign the man. Sign him. That's it. Like, there's, there should be no debate here unless he asks for, asks for something ridiculous like over 350K, which I don't think is the case. Well, the rumors are that he was already offered 400000 a week elsewhere. I don't know how true that is, whether or not it's true. If he takes the money, I don't blame him. Um, no, yeah. here's the thing. He's our emotional leader. I think it's more important than what he does on the pitch. It's the mindset and the tone that he sets off the pitch, too. There's no doubt in my mind he's the one barking in the dressing room and barking on the training pitch. Um, and you, you need players like that. You need alphas like that. And and we don't have many alphas in terms of personality in the squad. Rudiger is definitely one of them. Um, so we definitely have to hold on to him. And, you know, what is he, 28 now? Um, his best years are still ahead of him. You know, Andres mentioned this is probably his last contract. Yeah, it is. But for center backs now. That we're starting to see them peak around 30, 31, some of them even 32 years old before they hit their peak. So who's to say Rudiger can't play into his 30s? I'm not saying that he's going to be at Chelsea forever, but we need to look at him as the type of player that we have to keep here as long as possible. Um, we can get at least another three elite years out of him where he can be a, just a total stalwart at the back like he's been for us. And this, I think this also kind of goes beyond Rudiger as well. You know, this is a player that Tuchel really likes. Um, he's also and, friends know, he, with uh, everyone on the on the team. He's friends with them. Like yeah, yeah, genuine, genuine friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 I think the point I'm trying to make is it, you want to reward not only Rudiger but you want to reward the manager and the players as well. And as a club, you want to show your appreciation for the guys that have stuck with you. Right. Rudiger was here during the dark days, right? Uh, under Maurizio Sarri, when we were all complaining about you know connecting 600 passes with one shot on target, Rudiger was there with us. When the dark days were, of Frank were here, Rudiger was there. When the, the end of Conte, Rudiger was there. I mean, you just have to look at those things and say, this guy's been with us, he's rode with us, and, and he's raised himself to a world-class level. That's undeniable. In the last six months, Rudiger has been a world-class center back. Um, mm -hmm. So just... Pay him up, whatever it takes. I don't care if you have to make him the highest paid center back in the league to make a statement, but you got to keep a player like that. I'll be very disappointed if he leaves. Not not in him, but in the club. I won't blame him if he leaves to take more money and get security. That That's that's understandable. But from yeah, the club's point cry. of view, you have to at least make it look like you've done everything you can. I, will I think he'll cry. resign. Yeah. I think he'll resign. I think... It, I think... I think the club knows every like everything that you mentioned. They're aware of it, and I it, it it's it's a surprise that it's taken this long, that we've heard you know, has Christensen did officially sign his extension? Is that right? Because I, I I don't know because I've I've heard All that reports are like saying ten that times. He did, but it hasn't been officially announced by the club yet. Right. This is literally I've they heard won't that. won't do it after I've, a loss. I've heard that it was official like five different times in the past mm -hmm. five months. So I don't know about that, but it looks like they're closer to that deal than they are with Rudiger at least. Um, yeah. All right. Time to look ahead. Midweek matchup. 
uh, at Juventus Stadium. Um, Champions League is back once again, 1-0. Right now, Juve is currently sitting in 10th place in Serie A. Like, that is unbelievable. After losing a guy like Cristiano Ronaldo, they were... Even worse, apparently. Yeah, they were in the bottom of the table. They are in the relegation zone uh, last week. But they just won their last two matches. Morata and Dybala will both be out with injuries, confirmed by Juve, Juve yesterday. Um, and they both have two goals in league play right now, which is their uh, joint highest on the team. So... Those two being out, good news for us. Um, they do, oh, they do have Moise Keen, which kind of sounds like Moses Keen. Oh, shit. Could oh, don't, potentially we don't need be, to draw that parallel just yet. <laughs> could potentially be another prophet out to get us. Uh, but um, what do, besides Mo, Moses Keen, uh, what do we need to look out for? Andreas. Um, I mean, I think it's going to be how do we break down that defense? At the end of the day, Juve is very experienced at the back. I think, yes, they might be getting long in the tooth and all, but that defense can still put out like a 10-10 performance. I think the, the wild card could be if our wingbacks can track someone like Juan Cuadrado, who is more offensive than he is defensive in terms of the, the wide play, because if we get, if he draws too much attention, then that's where it causes issues defending the rest of the people in the box. You already said like, we won't have an eye out for Murata or Dybala. So I think that's more of like a, well, then who the heck do we have to look out in the box for? And, and that might cause the confusion. So for me, Cuadrado is like, the important guy. So whoever's playing wing back for them, if it's him, I think it, he's the key player that we need to watch out for. Um, I think the two obvious ones would probably be uh, two men that won the European Championship last summer, Chiesa and Locatelli. Chiesa being the more worrisome out of the two because – Granted, his decision making at times is a little erratic. He is a young player, so he, you know, he, he doesn't have that experience and composure yet. But we've seen glimpses of him, especially in the Euros, where he can just sort of take over a game and be the best player on the pitch for, you know, forty-five minutes or even a whole match for that matter. He has that special ability to pull a rabbit out of the hat, per se and just create that moment of magic on his own. Um, so if we can be aware of that and kind of keep a lid on him, I really think that's the only player up top who's going to beat us individually. Um, I think we win every every other matchup on the pitch. If Chiesa comes to play, he can give a really hard time to you know whoever's playing wing back or center back on that side. Now, uh, Locatelli, on the other hand, I mean, he's going to be playing in the midfield. Um, this is a guy that has a goal in him as well, but he also has that similar ability to Chiesa to just kind of pull out something ridiculous skill-wise. Um, we've seen his ability to shoot um, from outside of the box, so that's something that we do have to kind of be wary of, closing him down, making sure that we're not giving him time and space to do that. Um, but he also has a little creative side to him as well where he can pick out a pass. So um, granted, Juve are in the position they're in in La Liga, I mean, or uh, Serie A, um, you know, and granted their form as of late 
they still have quality in that team, and that's the point. They can still turn up and 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 roll us over if they were really up for it and if they wanted to. So um, we have to be wary of that. We have to give them respect where respect is due. Um, but ultimately, it's uh, you know we're going to benefit from you know DiBala and Murata being out, um, especially DiBala who actually captained them at the weekend too. So. You know, we talked about Rudiger being an emotional leader. Granted, there's a lot of leaders in that Juve side, but uh, one of them is going to be out for them. So that's something to look out for. And then Murata, I mean, he can fuck off, per usual. Mm-hmm. He's not even going to play any, anyway. So. Yeah, I know. I just I had to yeah. for all the Chelsea fans listening. Yeah, hopefully there are some Chelsea fans listening to this episode. Um... I hope there's a couple, <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> now, predictions. I, I I think there's no way I wanna say no way, but I don't think there that Juve scores on us. Maybe Chiesa's the their only threat right now. Um, but it's gonna be hard for him to do it on his own. I've seen it happen before, but I think we win two 0 Clean sheet. I'm going one 0 And I hope that we get to see Tiago Silva, Chiellini, and Benucci all on the pitch at the same time because those are three of the best center backs we've ever been able to watch. So I think it'd be really cool if they all started that game. That's like but, 120 but I... years combined between the three of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, but they're going to sit deep. I think it's going to be difficult, but um, you know, we'll, we'll scrape a, we'll get a scrappy goal, maybe off a set piece or something. Man, you guys are a lot lower on this game than I am. Um, I think we go out and win by multiple goals. I think Is that, that yeah, I, I'm thinking three goals. I'm wow. thinking the the speed that we can bring into the pitch is something they're not used to in Serie A. And, like, yes, our group is easy to move forward through in terms of Champions League, but I don't want to face any number one seed out of the group. Like, Yes, it's early on in the group stage and a lot of things can happen, but this is where you need to get those wins because you never know when you'll pile up injuries or suspensions or something like that. So you need to make the statement now, beat them in um, Turin, multiple goals, and give yourself that cushion because you don't want to face a Manchester City, a PSG, a Bayern, you know, these big guns early in the competition. So for me, this has to be like a statement game from Chelsea. I expected the city game to have been this statement, but we need to bounce back and, and bounce back with like a, a big performance. I think we will. I feel good about this one, actually. Um, Wait, well, how about, how about lineup predictions for us? Well, as far as formation goes, you think we'll you guys both agree we'll revert back to a three four three for this match? Yes, I think we will just because it's inevitable. Juve is going to sit in, so the more yeah. attackers, the better. And then three four three. I think Thiago gets back on the side. Probably uh, Kai and Timo. Chillwell, out. Chillwell back on the side because Alonso played a full ninety, and Let's maybe Loftus Cheek. Ooh. Maybe Cho at wing back. No. Maybe. Or to oh. see Dave out there. I mean, I can see Dave starting at wing back and then <laughs> maybe I mean, Reese even is Alonso hurt. starting like, again. Reese is just hurt. because so, like, we can throw numbers forward. 
again, Reese James is hurt, so somebody needs to play out on the right. Yeah. Um, How bad is the case, Reese's injury? Tuchel said injury? something online that it was like a hard injury. It's like an ankle injury, so I, I don't know. The game was if only six hours ago, so who knows? If it's anything like I read it was, I read that it was in like a high ankle sprain. I had one of those oh. in high school, and I, I was I was out for like a little over a month and a half, close to two months. Can it's we, like a four to six weeks type of thing. Can we call back Livermento outside of the tar- transfer window. Is that not, is that allowed? <laughs> no. I Listen, think so. I think after <laughs> I think after our struggles at wing back this season, we definitely need to explore that option. <laughs> Seriously, there's a lot of minutes to go around with him. I think Reese has been fine. Yeah. Anyways, um, so Chelsea pick up a win against Juve at midweek, um, and uh, after that, make sure you look out for our next podcast. So if you're not already following us on Twitter at Romans Empire Pod. Uh, we also tried to do a little hat giveaway on our uh, Twitter feed. A bunch of you guys liked it and didn't follow the rules at all. So uh, <laughs> if you're still interested, make sure that you're uh, checking out our pinned tweet on our profile. Um, follow the directions there to make yourself eligible to receive one of those really cool hats. I already wore mine out in public once and uh, felt pretty proud. And the, the instructions um, are like, follow, like, retweet, and reply to the tweet tagging three of your friends yes those are the instructions yeah you got to click your i think that's a combined five taps on your phone um so go do it get it done and uh maybe you'll get a hat out of it but anyways uh until we beat uve keep the blue flag flying high